Hello, everyone. Welcome to Making a Racket. I'm Nathan Lee, and I'm here with Sean Doherty. We'll be here every two weeks to talk about the storylines of the Pro Tour and entertain you with our own experiences playing high school tennis. Trust me, it's more entertaining than it sounds. Next week, we will have our friends Shaquilla, Sarah Powell, and Shannon Hickey to talk with us. But for now, it's just the two of us to recap this very unique Australian Open. Sean, how are you doing today? You talking to me? I'm good. I'm doing good. You know, I got a full week off from school because of snow. And um, Texans don't know how to deal with snow, and neither does our power grid. Um, but Well, the Texans not being able to deal with <laughs> snow is one thing. I mean, that... That kind of makes sense. Uh, but like... You, you would out the power grid? Yeah, I mean... Kind of failed on and us. And maybe the turbines not being winterized and mm, and the gas lines gas. not being able to... Yeah, yeah, it was, you know... It, was it happens. But no, I'm doing good. Um, school's doing okay. I had to regain motivation to do school today, but that's okay. Who didn't? Yeah. I, I know I, I had a lot of trouble too, right? I'm doing some news writing stories and I barely had motivation to do those because I over perfect and over and I try to do everything too much. And so, so having a week off to think about it was nice, but thank God though, cause uh, I was not going to be able to get my interviews by Thursday when it was due and it got moved to Sunday. So that helped. I, I just didn't think it had to be at that cost, but you know, I guess it's the mm-hmm. same as COVID same similar thing happened to me there. So Yep. I guess things happen. It does happen. Well, it does happen. And speaking of COVID, the Australian Open finished on, well, depending on where you are in the world, it finished early Sunday morning. If you're in Texas, finished on, finished on, you know, just a normal Sunday night in Australia. Novak Djokovic won his ninth Australian Open title, 18th major. Naomi Osaka the previous day won the women's singles. She won her fourth major and second Australian Open. Very unique Australian Open. The headline should be that, but also the 14-day quarantine that every player had to go through. Some even had hard quarantines where they could not leave their room for two weeks, including the women's finalist Jennifer Brady. There was also a a five-day snap lockdown when there were about 10 cases in Victoria when there were about 10 cases in Melbourne. And that was interesting to any American's eyes. Cause it's like 10. So such a small, that, amount. that's a whole other thing. I know that's a whole other thing. I guess we could get into, but <laughs> 10, that's it. And apparently Australians were not very happy about it. I remember them uh, booing when the umpire announced on one of the days on the last day that there were fans that they were going to have to leave at midnight. And it was an interesting scene because Novak Djokovic was playing Taylor Fritz in the third round. And they already knew that they were going to have to leave that day at midnight. Well, the Djokovic-Fritz match went in, went past midnight in Australia. That match also had its own thing because Djokovic had an injury, managed to push through and win. But in the middle of the either third or fourth set, the fans were asked to leave and it was such a weird sight because the fans were into it and then the fans actually had to leave. They took like a 10-minute break and then it was quiet for five days after that. Yep. The rest of the match and five days after that. And it was such a weird sight to see how symbolic it was to just watch them leave. It was... In the middle of the match, it, no less. It was so... It was kind of sad. 
You know, like, okay, you thought you got to have fun, but they ended up bringing him back uh, for the semifinals on Thursday. They were able to, and that was nice to see see some fans in the stands. It wasn't it wasn't as big as they wanted. They wanted to go 80% capacity by the quarters. Did they really? And Yes, and those plans, of course, were thwarted once they actually had to go into a five-day snap lockdown. But um, they ended That's up going... That's an ambitious going, plan. It was a very ambitious plan, but they had contingency plans in place. And one of them was, okay, well, yeah, we, we'll just shut the fans out if we have to. And and they there were even plans to shut down the tournament if needed. They did not have to do that. They ended up allowing 30% capacity for the last four days of the tournament. There's also another headline that's been made. At the end of the men's final, the Tennis Australia chief was talking about the vaccine rollout as well and thanking the Victorian government and fans booed her while she said that. And it was sad to see. It was, in the words of the Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, disgusting. And it shows the obstacles that we will have in place besides, you know, getting the vaccines and fighting the strains and all that stuff, so... That was kind of sad for me to see, but I don't know. I mean, what's really weird is watching fans boo is still more satisfying than hearing quiet. Yep. Because those five days of quiet, there was piped in crowd noise, but in also in the words of John McEnroe, it was just horrible. It was garbage. It, I, it's I, not I, the I also, same. Yeah, and, and I like how John Macro will literally just say whatever he thinks. And, and instead of trying to, you know, act like he knows who a tennis player is, he'll actually just say, Who the hell is this guy? I don't know who this is. It's like, everyone else is everyone else is trying to act like they know something and John's like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows who this guy is. Did that at the French too. It's funny to listen to him. To me though, Watching the finals of the Australian Open, it was really interesting. This is the first thing we'll get into. It was Novak Djokovic and Daniel Medvedev in the men's final, and it was Djokovic, the 17-time major champion at the time. Medvedev, no major titles, just one final. Uh, the money, the odds makers had it as a pretty close match, surprisingly. I didn't think it'd be quite as close as they were thinking, but Djokovic managed to run over him. And it was the experience. You could tell it was the experience. And Djokovic played lights out the whole match, except for parts in the first. And similar things happened in the women's final. Naomi Osaka, three-time major champion, going in against Jennifer Brady in her first major final. And Osaka, little shaky at times in the first. Brady probably had some chances. and But Osaka ran over in the second set and then ran over when it mattered most. And that was interesting to me. Sean, what do you think about the previous the previous major winners running over the newcomers in a way that I don't think we completely saw coming? Well, uh, with the Medvedev one, I personally thought he would do... I don't know if I thought he would win the match, but I thought he would do a lot better. I thought it was going to be a five-set match like he played against Nadal at the US Open. And... When even the first set, when I was watching the first set, Medvedev kind of started off slow, which was kind of expected. Um, 
kind of got back into it and then just lost it at the break in the final game. And that was just a, kind of a Djokovic set. He plays a okay set, has some mistakes, maybe lets his opponent back in, but in Djokovic style, wins the set and moves on. But then Medvedev just got worse and worse as the match went on and Novak almost got better. And uh, I, I guess that is experience. I don't know where Medvedev's head was at because he came into the match saying he didn't have any pressure on his shoulders. So I don't know if his nerves that he didn't know would show up. These newcomers, I mean, Osaka's match, the semifinal against Serena, she just felt in control. I think she she went down a break in the first set, but then got back into it. And just her her backhand is really solid, especially her cross-court backhand. And I think part of Brady's problems is just not being in this situation before. And Osaka has been. And nerves, I think, affected her serve a lot. And that's really the biggest cause of her losing to Osaka. Because Osaka wasn't the best, but she was still... She's won this before. So she doesn't need to be her best to win. Yeah, I think she was able to mentally get through some of the tougher situations. And when she did need it, she still was able to have big serves, big shots when she needed it. Because you did see in the first set, Brady really could have won it. I, I think that maybe is a little bit of the difference was Brady really had the chance to win it. Osaka started off really strong, and then Brady came back into it. I thought she maybe should have won it even. But one shot, Osaka stretched out, uh, got back a weaker shot, but landed right on the baseline. Brady couldn't handle it, and then Brady missed an easy forehand, and the set's over. And that's just got to be a killer. And Osaka got up a double break in the second, and pretty much... um, cruised on from there to win the second set 6-3. It was all about experience. Because Medvedev, especially Medvedev, Brady was doing well too, but Medvedev on a 20-match win streak going back to last year. He was playing lights out. Yeah, Many people's pick to make the final out of the bottom half, even some to win the tournament. I mean, the guy didn't know how to lose, and suddenly he was flustered against Djokovic because I do think his level dropped and Djokovic just got higher and higher to the point that I'm not sure Medvedev could have beaten Djokovic at that point. I think once Medvedev let Djokovic back in, it was, it was over. Djokovic was too strong and it's hard to watch that because as you said, he seems to, and the first set, he definitely did this. He just wins in Djokovic style. He just, he just wins. Like, it doesn't even seem like he should play better. It doesn't seem like he's he never does blow you off the court. He just wins. And and so yeah. to be straight with everyone, we're not exactly Djokovic fans. Uh, I, I wouldn't say a Djokovic haters. <laughs> but we, we are not, more I, I pretend to be sometimes. Yeah, I think I think same here. We're more Fed Nadal fans. I, I'm a Nadal guy. I, I use that. I'm more of a pro- Fed oh, fan. Yeah. yeah. I use Air Pro Drive because Nadal used it when I was um when I was nine years old. Nine years old whenever I started, eight, nine years old playing tennis. So yeah, definitely a Nadal guy. And I got really big into it when he won his three major titles in twenty ten. So. Yeah. Definitely respect Djokovic and what he does. And um I, have to. I just hate to 
<laughs> it's just those matches where like I mean, just looking back at the the Wimbledon final against Federer. I was gonna get there. Yeah. Just matches like that. It's like he's done for. He's gotta lose. His like, how is he so mentally strong? 2019, yeah, uh, all the statisticians will tell you that Fed won the match based on the stats and really played better for longer stretches of time, but couldn't play a tie break. Federer couldn't play in a tie break, and Djokovic won three of them to win the match. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. That, that, that was hard to watch because now you think, what, Federer would be at 21? Uh, he would be at 21 and maybe have the confidence to win another tournament. I don't know if he has confidence to win another slam. Yeah, uh, you, you hope that's not the breaking point for him. I don't think it will be. I, I, think, I hope not. I don't think that will necessarily happen because he would have broken before. He would have broken before to me. There are definitely many times like when he fell to number eight and was actually playing um, about six or seven years ago. There are a lot of times where he could have. He's lost multiple Wimbledon finals to Djokovic. That was not exactly the first one he lost in five sets either. So I I don't necessarily think it's that. Would you really just have to worry about Sabati? Because Roger Federer in his prime didn't get injured. Federer and injury no. never mixed. And we're seeing that now. We're seeing Federer and injury get mixed a lot. In the He's last having to have years. surgeries. Surgery, yeah. Surgery was just not even a word. It wasn't in his dictionary. Injury at least no. was there somewhere. Surgery was not. So now it'll be interesting. A little off topic, but when he comes back, I, it'll be interesting to see how he does in smaller tournaments and then to mm-hmm. see how he does in whatever slams he plays if he's able to play them. Right, If he if he wants to play the French again... If he wants to do like he did in 17 and 18 and skip the French, does he want to really focus on Wimbledon? Because he's not going to beat Nadal at the French. He's not going to do it. No, no way. I'm not sure Djokovic can beat Nadal at the French at this. Well, he can. He can. The only one that can. That's it. I don't even think team can because team, Dominic team is not, I don't know if that's the best matchup for Nadal either. I mean, I, I remember the 2019 French Open final when Dominic Team played Nadal, and and Nadal had a tight first set. You know, won it, was up a break, won the first set. Team won a good second set, and you're like, man, this might be a good match. And Nadal ran over him. Dominic Team didn't do anything wrong, and suddenly Nadal was a champion. It was like, okay, yeah, I, I should never have doubted him. I, I don't know why I ever doubt this man. It doesn't matter that he's now won. 13 French Open titles. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, he, Djokovic is coming up to that slowly but surely. Djokovic might. Djokovic might get there, especially if Nadal retires, because I think Nadal will get a few more French Opens, but if Nadal retires and at some point when that stops, if Djokovic is able to last longer, then yeah, I think Djokovic can definitely catch up to that. Actually, he can definitely catch up to 13. I'm just not sure if he'll actually beat Nadal anyway because Nadal may still win a few more. That that will be something to see. Right. Who will end up rising to that level. And that reminds me, Martina Navratilova had nine Wimbledon titles. And that was considered amazing. Well, it still is considered amazing. Was the record forever. Djokovic tied that 
And yet it's not the record. He's actually got four more to go because <laughs> of what Nadal's right. done. <laughs> That's crazy to me. What these big three have done. And and we can talk about the Australian Open, and we probably will later, but I feel like maybe we should go into more the debate that will never end and is probably fruitless to talk about, especially as they're playing, but the greatest of all time debate on the men's and the women's side. And on the women's side, we tend to think it's Serena Williams. 23 major titles, only second by Margaret Court, but there's a lot of a lot of people put asterisks by Margaret Court's. Some of her majors, a lot of them were in Australia in the 60s. Not a lot of international players always played. Also before the open era where pros were allowed to play, so it a little iffy there. Whether she really had 24 Serena's second right behind her and first in the open era since 1968. So 23 majors, if she never wins another one, she would probably go down as the greatest. But the difference is she is chasing the past and has continued to chase the past. The same thing goes in the NFL where Brady's not really chasing the past as much as he's trying to beat it as much as possible and hope that no one else can chase the past, which would be him, like a Mahomes or a Aaron Rodgers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, the NBA it's a similar deal LeBron James trying to chase Michael Jordan or even guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that may have arguably been better he's chasing the past in tennis and in women's tennis Serena Williams chasing the past in the men's in the men's game now it was for a bit now it's it's a race it's not chasing the past it's a race and it's live and we get to see it with Federer and Nadal at 20 Mm -hmm. majors and Djokovic at 18 They've already beaten the previous record of 14 majors by four slams, at least. Nadal almost did it at one slam. So, I guess, who do you think will finish as the greatest? I, I, um, my heart wants to say Federer will. And in a lot of people's minds, he will be. And you will never be able to convince them otherwise. Right. I, I think it'll be Djokovic. I think his body, I think Federer's body is starting to fall apart. He turns 40 this year and at some point your body will degrade. Nadal's body, he's had a lot of injuries just the way he plays and it's difficult to tell what his body will do in the future. Mostly because it's supposed to be over by the age of 25. So yeah, it is a little hard. (laughs) Novak, he's had arm and elbow problems. But he takes such good care of his body with the way he eats, his life habits. He just, he's incredibly flexible, which helps a lot with injury. And I just think he'll outlast Nadal in playing time. And I think he'll be able to eclipse whatever Nadal wins. I think I, I have to agree with you for pretty much all the same reasons. But I do want to go back to what you said about in many minds, Federer will be the greatest. Federer is a fan favorite. Nadal is a fan favorite, although not even on the same level as Federer. If we want to look at the most, at the athletes that earn the most money, Federer is number one ahead of guys like Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, guys that are international figures, even LeBron James to a lesser extent. Formula One drivers that actually make a lot more money than 
uh, some of the, some of us Americans would think. It's Federer at number one. Nadal and Djokovic are up there, but not quite the same. Federer is so marketable. He's a favorite in everyone's eyes, and Djokovic has never been even close. He's just never been a favorite of anyone because he, he kind of just plays his game where he's really consistent and he kind of gets mad at the crowd and people don't really like him and he seems, I don't know, he just seems off to people, I guess. And he does break his rackets and he will get mad. and He's not just this invincible figure like Federer and Nadal look. I think that's what's interesting. Or if anything, Djokovic is invincible, but he's like the villain. Djokovic he is, is the yeah, villain. He's the villain to tennis players' eyes, and anyone who likes him is also a villain. Yes. And then there's just a clash between Federer and Nadal fans and Djokovic fans, and it's an endless war. Starting to starting to see some parallels between tennis and other things in life now. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's just crazy to see. But yeah, I think, it's hard to say that Djokovic won't be. Because I remember after he won, but but you never know, because after he won four in a row, he won four in a row from 2015 Wimbledon to 2016 French Open. Still the only one of the big three to do it. Only the third man ever to do it. Go back all the way to Don Budge in the 30s and Rod Laver doing it twice in the 1960s, who also really up until now could have been considered the greatest of all time. I'm not sure that's as easy of a case to make anymore. Credit to the big three, because Laver was an amazing player. Djokovic, four in a row, and then he tailed off. Mentally, maybe it was the injuries, really tailed off for a while, tailed off for about a year, didn't win another major until 2018. The thing is, you wonder if something like that will happen. You just never know. But at the same time, the trend says Djokovic will win. Djokovic will eventually last longer and win more majors because of that. Because, yeah, Nadal's going to eventually have to retire. I don't know if he'll get to choose. And Federer, oddly enough, may not get to choose either. But And I'm not sure Federer has another slam in him. I think Nadal has French Opens left in him. And few others, too. He can win the U.S. Open. We know that. But how long will he be able to do that? Djokovic should just last forever, and he doesn't seem to let any of the young guys have a chance. Not Medvedev. Not Dominic Team, who's not even that young anymore. Not Alexander Zverev. Not Stefano Tsitsipas. None of them. The U.S. Open was finally, it was like, oh, a big three didn't win it. Well, yeah, two of them didn't play, and one of them hit a line judge in the throat and got defaulted. <laughs> Exactly. It took a lot. The next gen has, even though they've won a slam, they have yet to prove that they can beat the big three in it. Right. Not that that even makes them bad. I think this generation is better than the last one. But it just shows how incredibly good the big three are and dominant. Here's how dominant the big three have really been. They uh, Roger Federer won his first major title in 2003 and dominated the 2000s for most of the way, but Nadal really started to make his way there. And then, of course, with Nadal winning the 2005 French Open, that's how he got started. Djokovic got started in 08, but really didn't get going until 2011, won three majors, became number one in the world, 
and started his ascension to greatness. Here is how dominant they have been. In the 1970s, 16 different major winners. In the 1980s, there were 12. In the 1990s, there were 16. And in the 2000s, there were 15. Keep in mind, really, those first four years, 2000 to 2003, there are a lot of different winners. From Andy Roddick, had one. Leighton Hewitt had one. Juan Carlos Ferrero had a couple, I believe. He had a lot of weird ones. Guillermo Coria. No, not Guillermo Coria. That's that. That's probably something we could talk about. It's just a fun thing. Gaston Gaudio had one. Stuff like that. Just weird winners. And then after that, Federer and Nadal started to dominate. So anyway, 15 in the 2000s. Six in the 2010s. Six different major winners. Djokovic, obviously leading that. Nadal, Federer. Stan Wawrinka managed to get three. Andy Murray, of course, got three. Murray really considered the big four, if anything. And Marin Cilic got one. Six different major winners in a decade. When on average you have 15, that's how much they have dominated. And in the 2020s, it's Djokovic and Nadal, except for the one team got. How long will it stay that way? And that, And will we ever see something like that again? It's it's hard to conceptualize how dominant they have been just because of how used to their dominance we've gotten. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think older older fans That's are makes, able to understand that better than we can, frankly. Yeah. It's um looking at a player like Stan Walrinka, he's won three titles, which is Hall of Fame career. Right. In the area he's in, that's all you need to get into the Hall of Fame. That is, that's so weird. He's been the one that's consistently broken through when others have not. Not even consistently, but more often was able to break through. You know, um, the first one he won, I actually thought was a little fluky. Nadal had a back injury at the Aussie Open, but he beat Djokovic in that French Open final in 2015, and they won the U.S. Open in 16. And, and it's like, this guy really has the ability to play at a higher level. And funny, he's won more majors than Masters 1000 titles. I think he's only won one Masters title. Just, But he, but he knows <laughs> how to show up in best of five, or at least knew how to. He's older now. Best of five, knows how to show up. Yeah. And, and you think a guy like that would be talked about a lot more. But I think we focus so much on the big three, and then Murray was almost always in the top four or five. So he was always there. But guys like Warinka would get a lot more recognition, get a lot more majors. Uh, Marin Cilic, who was one major, fantastic run, not a whole lot to it. We, we've seen one slam wonders before. But you feel bad for a guy like Warinka, or Murray for that matter. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and of course, Marin Cilic tested positive for peds right before winning the U.S. Open. Well, well, tested positive, finished his suspension, to be fair. He was not hopped up on drugs while he was winning the U.S. Open. (laughs) But, I mean, we're we're the effects there. I don't know. I I, I don't think I can say any more without being uh, libelous or slanderous, whatever the word is. Um, (laughs) It is is crazy to see. And that's not something we've seen on the women's side either. Um, And that Serena has been chasing the past. Serena has been dominant. Serena has had rivals with her, too. Uh, her own sister, Venus Williams, Justine Ennen. Yeah. Um, 
not Maria Sharapova. She's been here too many times. Um, no. <laughs> had, a, had issues when Sharapova was 17 after that and figured her out. Do you, do you think Serena is the greatest of all time? Men, men and women combined? Or, or, or just women? Probably just let's just keep it simple and just with okay, women okay. right now. So I'm about to say the men the men versus women conversation is very complex. Um, yes, women, yes. At this point, um, I think the continued the the longevity, which is not unique to her, it is. I mean, Navratilova had a lot of longevity. Um, Steffi Graf actually did too. She she came on as a young phenom at, in 1988, winning all four majors and the Olympic gold. But she actually won all the way into her last year playing tennis in 1999. So the the longevity is there for a lot of these the these great players. But I I think she would have to be at this point, and there may be another another layer, and this may be a little bit. American, but layer to what she's meant to the United States, somebody that we've consistently been able to look up to in the tennis world, um, and what she's done for uh, black tennis players. Uh, it's not exactly tennis is a little bit of a white country club sport. It always has been. And I, and I think watching Serena and Venus, we know it inspired many people. And it arguably inspired, it arguably created Naomi Osaka in many ways. Who And Coco Goff. And Coco Goff, yes. Um, Goff, it's, Goff could be really great too. I mean, she's 16. It's hard to, it's hard to kind of judge how good, I mean, you can tell she has a potential anything past that. It's difficult because, I mean, a 16 year old being on that stage, I mean, I, I remember, I remember being sixteen. It wasn't that long ago for me. I, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the wherewithal to be able to handle that. Absolutely not. I don't, I don't think I'll have the wherewithal to ever really handle that. But how about Naomi Osaka? Four major titles now, but they're all on hard courts, which is a main surface anyway. So it's not that big of a deal. That that she's only been great on the hard courts. Of course, she both times she's won majors. She won them back to back. She'd win the U.S. Open, win the Aussie. After her second major in eighteen, kinda wasn't the same, but started to figure out in twenty twenty, and really hasn't lost a match. No, she's lost one match since the restart. Didn't play the French Open, of course. Osaka, do you think she's gonna? really figure it out on the clay courts or the grass courts first? I think with her game, she'll probably figure out the grass courts first. But, you know, with the grass courts, you have that movement that just kind of hinders your ability to move around. Right. And so it's not so much that her shots aren't effective on grass. It's that she can't position herself how she would normally like to. Right. Yeah, not not nearly the sure footing of a hard court. A lot of people don't know this, but a grass court is, I mean, you, you don't really look at, it's because you don't look at the movement. And on the clay court, it's easy to see the movement because, you know, they're sliding and all that stuff. It's really easy to see. But on a grass court, there's a lot of different footwork too because the you really have to be nimble. You can't, you're not, you can't just, 
you can't exactly be flat-footed. You can't be lazy with your footwork at all. And there's not a lot of sure footing. And it can mentally mess with you to where you're not able to hit those shots. The, the thing is, for me, on a clay court, she has some issues. She It's, it's going to be the movement. It's also going to be the shots. She's going to play on it more. She's going to get a lot more opportunities to play on it. So do you think that may be something that helps her actually get better on clay before she even gets better on grass? I think it might help her a bit. Well, actually, no. I think it'll definitely help her with the amount of practice she gets on the clay course just because there's more tournaments for her to play. More tournaments Um, and courts to train at. mm -hmm. I think she'll break through eventually. I just don't think she'll consistently do well on them. I think it'll be a lot of up and down years depending on how she's feeling. I don't know if her game really translate to clay super well, but she always could add to her game. I mean, she's young. She's yeah. She's plenty of time to add to her game. Yeah, and I mean, Serena is great. She is only three French Opens. I mean, I, I, get, I, get, right. I shouldn't say only three. I mean, that that's a lot of that's a lot that's of majors. A lot. But, but <laughs> compared to you know what she's done at other slams, only three. Sharapova used to be in in her words a cow on ice, and ended up finishing her career with two French Opens and only one of every other major. So. Yeah, she could add to her game. She could find a way to just be aggressive on the clay. But I do tend to agree with you, even though I proposed a question. What about the training? I do I do think on the grass she'll figure it out. I mean, you would think she would if she can figure out the footwork, surface will be perfect for her. The only thing is it won't even be as fast as the Australian Open, though. So <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that's that's modern grass for you. The Australian Open, well, that and the Australian Open was very fast. Apparently, they did it because of, you know, long matches like Djokovic and Nadal in 2012, which went almost six hours. And not with the help of any rules, not with the help of, you know, going 16, 14 in the fifth. They only played like one or two tiebreakers. They didn't even play a breaker in the fifth. They, it was just seven, five in the fifth. It wasn't long. Their rallies were just that long. It was, right. it was, it was absurd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess they just didn't want that anymore. I don't. I don't get why do you not want people to suffer for almost six hours and then in your and then in the longest trophy ceremony for any tournament ever, you still not make get them, them a stand chair. for. <laughs> like, come on! I like, love get watching that video. <laughs> so so funny. Like, get them a chair. They're not. <laughs> they 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 are still human. They they don't. <laughs> Legs still eventually go boom. Like they don't, they don't just, it's <laughs> not a lot you can do. That, that is, that, that's funny to me. I, I do want to see how Osaka does the rest of the way. And I want to see how Osaka does in the clay court season. Cause again, she skipped the French open. We didn't get to see 2020 what she would do. Right. And 2020, there wasn't a whole lot of clay either. There was a few weeks to, so that way you could throw the French open in there and that's all you really had. I want to see how she does on the clay. I want to see how she does on the grass. I want to see how she does on these other surfaces because I think it could also help her then continue to have confidence, maybe not get lower before. Maybe she can have some momentum going into what she's always going to be best on, probably on the hard courts in the States at the U S open and, and the warm up tournaments before that she'll, and she would have to be the favorite there, assuming nobody just comes up out of the shadows that we don't know about, or at least don't realize will. 
I think that'll be interesting for for all of us to see. But this Australian Open has been very, very unique, very weird. And in many ways, I hope we don't have anything like that again at, oh, at the Australian <laughs> Open. It's, it's inevitable for a few more months, but, you know, the <laughs> something Djokovic and uh, Alexander Zverev talked about, the, uh, the, the quarantine and the restrictions, and they pretty much said, we don't think the tour can continue. Now, it's, it's going on right now. There's uh, tournaments on both the men's and women's side. The women are actually staying in Australia for now. There's a tournament in Adelaide. The men have already traveled to other places. There's a tournament in Montpellier. And, um, so they're, they're continuing to go, but what are they going to do? You know, um, if different places have different restrictions. That, that's kind of what they brought up is, are we really going to do this quarantine again? Are we really going to do two weeks again? Can we really just take two weeks off and do a quarantine? I mean, what are we doing? Do we need to do an NBA bubble where it's like, if we're not even going to let the fans in, just, you know, change out the sponsors and change out the names on the court and just move on and play the tournaments there. Similar to what not only the Aussie did, but it actually came from New York where they had the Cincinnati tournament in New York and then the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. What do you think they should do? And how do you think they could even incorporate that with lower ranked players coming in and the challengers they have to play? How? What do you think they should do? Tennis is, I mean, uh, it's such a difficult sport for a thing like COVID because it's it's very easy to quarantine players once they're at a tournament, ready to go. Um, it's not hard. I mean, you're a court away from each other for most of the tournament. And, but it's about the traveling and how many people have to travel to each tournament. And I don't see how they could make a bubble, especially for the, like you said, the challenger players who the amount of tournaments they play, they have to play as many tournaments as they can. Right. Because their livelihood basically depends on those tournaments and doing well and getting the points to qualify for other bigger tournaments. And so if you're, quarantining them for two weeks for one tournament they might be missing out on a different tournament right and and it's not even necessarily that they would have to quarantine two weeks every time but what if they're like well you need to quarantine here for a week or this country you you're fine you don't need to worry about it when he said stuff like that he didn't talk about the challenger players he really talked about you know the bubble and stuff like that and i think that was kind of um kind of just spitballing as much as anything to to be fair to them that they weren't saying these plans as they necessarily laid out. It was spitball. It sounded like spitballing to me. It was just throwing ideas out there or whatever. But yeah, what do you do? Because on the surface, it looks like tennis to be so easy to figure out COVID. It's like, oh, well, we can, you know, you have to contact each other. If we're really worried, don't even let them touch the same balls. If you really are worried about it, I mean, just, it's fine. Don't let them shake hands. I mean, whatever. It, that's easy. It's not football where when it was cold, it was funny, and people have said they haven't proven COVID can transmit on the field. Maybe, but I don't know. I remember seeing on the offensive and defensive lines when it was cold, I would see breath. I would see the the cold air from their breath, and it would just all go into the middle. I'm like, I don't, I don't, hmm. You sure that's not, you sure there's not transmitting whatever's there? You really, really, I don't, okay, hmm. I don't, I don't know. That's just, 
I just see a thing of air and I, I just see, this is kind of horrible. This is what we think now with COVID. I just see COVID. I just see virus. I just see <laughs> just a sea of it right in there and it's cold. So I, yeah, tennis is easy on that front, but yeah, you've got players from every country in the world. So how do you do it? What players will benefit? Well, players, top players can handle it. Bottom players can't. That was the issue early on in the pandemic too with money and the challengers getting canceled and all that stuff. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. And I want to see what they do with Miami. It's the next big, big tournament. I want to see what they then do with the clay court season. I want to see what they do with Indian Wells too. Because Indian Wells got canceled. Or it did not get canceled. It got postponed. I I jumped again a little bit. It's, It's getting postponed. Don't know when it will be played. If it will be played. They're going to figure it out. But Miami at the moment is still on, so we'll see how that goes. Florida has been a little more lax. So I think yeah, they can hold it. It's a bit that. risky coming to the U.S. Yeah, I, I think that's the other thing is do people really want to come to the U.S.? That was Nadal's thing. It was Rafa Nadal's thing. Is, I, don't, I don't really know if I want to come to the U.S. Also, you know, he had the French Open a few weeks later and basically right. had a slam in the bag, you know. I mean, it's not, <laughs> I guess, an easy <laughs> decision to make, but. It's not a, it's not quite the same when you're, you know, coming to the States and the COVID cases and stuff like that. Although New York was pretty safe actually at that time, at that point. Yeah. Because they already had their brunt of the pandemic and that was, that was just tragic. But it will be interesting to see what the tours do with COVID. I'm not smart enough to (laughs) determine what the best course of action would be to make sure you're not just screwing over the lower players who don't have an income other than the prize money from tournaments and whatever sponsorships they may get just from quite winning. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and logistically we don't have every bit of information. We're not exactly insiders employed by anybody that can get this dirt. Um, we, we're, we're just, uh, two people sitting in our bedrooms, or I guess actually Sean's two. in a special study room. Um, study room. <laughs> two broke college kids. Yeah. Two broke college kids, uh, talking about tennis that, that barely got, well, we weren't that bad in high school, but we weren't that great. No. <laughs> so, you know, um, that actually makes me think, uh, COVID has been so rough. You know, we got our district tennis tournament taken away and. I say it taken away like we owned it or something. It, it got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so horrible to say. Um, it got taken away. Like, shut up. Okay. It, it got taken away. <laughs> and we got that canned. And we had kind of projected ourselves to be number two. We had beaten teams that we thought would be seed, you know, three and four and stuff. And it kind of sucked not to be able to. And I said this to a, a reporter um, afterward, he decided to do a story on it. And I, I said to him, you know, um, uh, vaguely, I, you can actually look it up. I, I wanted, there was going to be, it was going to be a dog fight, but it sucks because we never got to have the dog fight. Never even got to see what would have happened. And I remember two years ago when we lost in district in the quarters in a third set tie break, we were like, well, this sucks. And I, 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 Thinking later episodes, we might get to this. 
Um, I, I threw a, I, I might've thrown a tantrum that might've made people like even Macro go, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's just, that's just immature. Like, <laughs> why are you throwing your bag? Why are you yelling and throwing your bag? Like, what's a bag? That, why did you stop for a second and then throw your bag on top of it? I, I don't know. I wasn't exactly the, wasn't always the most level. I, I was usually the most level headed, but every once in a while, it didn't always work out. It would seep out sometimes. It would see, you know, we'll talk about stories later. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't, you see, it wasn't like, it would, <laughs> you see, it wasn't like it would crack. It would, it would just bust. Right. You, you, you would sometimes just I crack. Would crack. You cracked and then it was done. I, no, just, just bad. Just bad. Next week, we'll, of course, have Shaquille and Shannon on. They may be able to we can reminisce. <clears throat> they may be able to reminisce a little more on, some of those experiences. I was talking to uh, Monse, actually. She did not remember my tantrum. I don't know if she wasn't there or what happened, but she doesn't remember it. I was like, oh, well, you missed out. <laughs> you missed out on a lot. But yeah, we we never got to see what would happen last year. I know. Because of COVID. Now, now, we, now, now we're just in college and I, neither of us actually play tennis that much anymore. How much tennis do you play, Sean? Um, I want to stick so, words uh, I played a little over the break when I went back home, but other than that, okay. I have yet to play tennis here in College Station. Oh, all right. Yeah, I I had actually played tennis, even played a tournament or two when I uh, came to Lubbock, played with my dad, and then you know actually got into it. Started um started playing tournament, started to play more often, and then we haven't played in. We played once in 2021. <laughs> yeah. So that that's a little right. I miss it. That's for sure. I know. And, and and watching the Aussie Open, it made me want to do it again. It's like, man, I'm nowhere near as good as these guys, but I need to just play again. I need to watch it again. I need to talk about it again. And that's so much of why I wanted to do this podcast too. When I was thinking about yeah. doing a podcast, it, this was actually the original idea for it. And then we decided to go with, um, to start, we decided to go with Flags and Fouls because, you know, Jose and Omero wanted to talk about that too. And I, I needed some, <clears throat> I'm sorry, guys. I don't know why my voice is acting funny. I, I needed, um, needed to get my chops and start talking and stuff. And, and Sean, you're on with me too. Um, alleged, this is a, allegedly somewhat important for me to keep doing this. I, I don't know, man. I'm a, <laughs> My, you know, my major tends might be important to, in your career. Yeah, maybe, maybe, um, maybe someday. I don't know. Maybe I'll continue to have a podcast. Maybe I'll keep this going. Maybe people will yeah, just maybe. donate us money. Maybe if anyone don't. wants to donate us money, <laughs> yeah, we are broke college kids, and um, yep. mm -hmm. we we deserve your money. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean we, we don't have anything <laughs> set up, but you can definitely contact us. Like, uh, just go to yeah, the website. We'll, we'll we got a contact it. form. Free we got a Twitter. You can DM us. Take your money. We have no problem doing that. No, no guilt whatsoever. No guilt. None. None. None at all. As long as you say yes. But yeah. It's 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 ours. <laughs> the same goes with flags and fouls too. We're totally good with taking your money on that too. We have no problem. But all eight three Don't all worry good. about Jose and Omer though. Like they're good. We talked to them earlier. They're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't need the just money. us. They're not. They are totally not broke college kids. I, I swear, they're they're doing fine. I swear. Oh boy, 
Well, ne- uh, in two weeks, we'll have Shaquille and Shannon on, and we'll get to do more stuff. Really, we just wanted to get everything off our minds about the Australian Open and the GOAT debate or debates and um, all the different things of Osaka and what the tours are going to do. We just really wanted to get that off. When Shaq and Shan come on, it will be maybe more about us, maybe not. We'll just have to see what happens. We never know. I mean, if you've ever looked at Flies and Fouls, I never know what we're going to talk about until the day before. I, I mean, I get ideas, don't get me wrong, but I don't really know what we're talking about. It's like, huh, what, what seems right so far? Hmm, yeah, that, that seems right. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. So please, though, subscribe to Making a Racket on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you listen to on. Subscribe to Flags and Fouls, too. Follow us on Twitter, at Making a Racket 3. Uh, follow Flags and Fouls, too. Follow follow them at Flags and Fouls. Go to Lee3Pods.com. We have some f- information on there. And really soon, I've, I've put it on the website, never updated it soon, we will have little biographies on each of us. Sean, Omero, Jose, and myself will eventually have little biographies. I may or may not embellish mine because I'm going to write them. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to trash on Sean. Actually, no, I'm going to trash on Jose. He's a Cowboys fan. Never mind. Yeah. He's a Cowboys. He deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a Cowboys fan and a Brady fan. That, that, yeah. No, 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 no. And the LeBron hater. And the, Le- no, no. It's not the fact that he doesn't think LeBron's a goat. We don't either. It's a fact. <laughs> he, he might, he, he really doesn't like LeBron. And it's, if you have not listened and <laughs> haven't figured that out already. It's it's blatantly obvious. So I don't he refuses to pick the Lakers in any game, even if they're supposed to win. Which means I'm definitely gonna have to do like a Lakers Thunder game and make him pick the Thunder just to not pick LeBron. I want to test how far he'll go. Or Timberwolves. Timberwolves, they're a fun one. We should talk about them on Flags and Fouls. They fired their head coach and hired a guy from the Raptors immediately. Instead of promoting someone in house. Yeah. Something to think about. No, it is. It's, it's a questionable decision, but yeah, well, we can talk about that. We can definitely talk about that. That flies and fouls episode will be March fourth. <laughs> That's a Thursday. You should listen to that. Subscribe to us everywhere. Tell your friends, and we'll be back with making a racket in two weeks on March 9th. Thank all you guys for everything. We'll see you in two weeks. I don't know what I was playing on that ending. I don't really know. Uh. Thank you guys. Uh, uh, thanks for supporting the channel. Yeah, thanks for supporting the channel. Hit the like and subscribe. Don't forget to hit that notification bell. And uh, donate to our Patreon that we don't have. (laughs) And what else do YouTubers say? Um, um, This episode is sponsored by the like button, as Captain Sparkles (laughs) would say. Shout out to him. Don't know him. Wish I knew him. I don't even watch you. He should support us. I don't even watch YouTube like you do. You're crazy, man. I I don't want to watch YouTube like you do, man. That, That ain't right.